You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to episode 74 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as normal, I'd like to start with a shout out to our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners in London, in Farnborough, in Hampshire, in Chelmsford, Cardiff, Birmingham, Guildford, Southampton, Petersfield, Coventry, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Chester, Leeds, Ipswich, Portsmouth, Sheffield, Swansea and Havering, all in the UK. In Ireland we have new listeners in Dublin, County Kerry, County Wicklow and County Wexford. In France we have new listeners in Paris and Vallant. In Spain we have new listeners in Barcelona. In Portugal new listeners in Lisbon. In the Netherlands new listeners in Amsterdam, Rotterdam and The Hague. In Germany, new listeners in Hamburg, Munich, Dusseldorf, Dortmund, Münster, Koblenz and Frankfurt. In Denmark, new listeners in Odense and Copenhagen. In Norway, new listeners in Oslo. In Sweden, new listeners in Stockholm and Skane. In Russia, new listeners in Moscow. In the Ukraine, new listeners in Kiev. In Latvia, new listeners in Lisbon. In Poland, new listeners in Warsaw and Krakow. In Slovakia, new listeners in Bratislava. In Austria, new listeners in Vienna. In Switzerland, new listeners in Bern and Geneva. In Slovenia, new listeners in Ljubljana. In Italy, new listeners in Milan and Venice. In Uganda, new listeners in Kampala. In Kenya, new listeners in Nairobi. In India, new listeners in Tamil Nadu. In Japan, new listeners in Tokyo. In Australia, new listeners in Sydney and Melbourne. In Brazil, new listeners in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. In Colombia, new listeners in Santander. In Canada, new listeners in Ontario. And in the USA this week, we have new listeners in Cincinnati, Pasco, San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, Dallas, Phoenix, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Washington, D.C., New York, Austin, San Diego, Rochester, Oklahoma City, Tampa, Denver, Jacksonville, Greensboro and Lafayette. So, as always, great to welcome all you new listeners right around the world. And of course, a big shout out as always to all my regular listeners. Really appreciate you all taking half an hour of your week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR. And as always, I also look forward to reading your feedback. Any feedback you have, please email it to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. I do read every single piece of feedback that you send in. I don't have time to answer them all individually, unfortunately. But I do read them all, and wherever possible, we incorporate your suggestions into upcoming episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. So, in a few moments' time, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So, coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we begin with an update on the data breach or data incident at Travelex. We then have a update on the ongoing negotiations between the ICO, British Airways and Marriott Hotels over their data breaches that they had last year and also an update on the deadline for claims to be submitted for customers of British Airways affected by the data breach. We then have news of a data breach at a stall in Herefordshire. Then news that the ICO itself has come in for criticism for dragging its feet over its rulings on programmatic advertising and particularly programmatic advertising in regard to Google and the 
IAB, the Interactive Advertising Bureau. We then have news of a data breach at baby site Peekaboo Moments. And then news that a data breach at Dove has left Unilever in a bit of a sticky patch. And finally this week, news that four Greek banks have had to reissue thousands of debit and credit cards after a data breach at a Greek travel portal. So, as usual, a wide range of articles for you this week. I hope you find the programme useful and entertaining. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We begin this week with an update on the situation at Travelex. You will remember that last week we brought you news of a potential data breach at Travelex and that the virus which they suffered just before the end of the new year was still keeping their systems offline. This week has seen a personal message from the CEO of Travelex, Tony D'Souza, be posted on the Travelex website and if you want to see that you can view it by going to https colon slash slash www.travelex.com forward slash customer hyphen update. As of Friday the 17th of January, Travelex said that they continue to make positive steps forward, that their first customer facing systems in the UK are now live and they are therefore serving customers electronically in their UK stores and in some of their UK retail partner locations and expect to begin testing in some Travelex branches outside of the UK over the weekend and into next week. Customers in UK airports will also be able to access their VAT refund services. The company says this is all part of their phased approach to the global restoration of their systems. The company are keen to stress that throughout their recovery, their priority has been to ensure that their systems are brought back up in a controlled, secure and managed way. In addition, the company says that they continue to make good progress in testing the systems that support their high street partners in the UK. And Travelex is also making good progress on restoring its proprietary UK international money transfer service, which will be available by the end of January. In conclusion, the company spokesman said that they would like to thank their customers for supporting them and confirm that they will be doing everything they can to restore their systems as quickly as possible. TravelX are keen to stress that they've employed data security experts and they are as confident as they can be that there has been no actual breach of customer data and no evidence of customer data being released outside their systems into the dark web. As such, while the ICO is keeping a watching brief on the situation at Travelex, they're not currently conducting an investigation as there's still not yet been any formal data breach notification from Travelex to the ICO. We expect to have another update to this situation at Travelex to bring you in next week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show, you'll know that several times we've mentioned the data breach at British Airways, which led to the ICO imposing or proposing to impose the largest penalty so far of some £183 million on British Airways for the data breach. Just to remind you what happened in the summer of 2018, 
British Airways suffered a data breach which meant that the payment card details from an estimated 500,000 passengers who had bought flights on the BA.com website or through the British Airways app or made transactions involving Avios had had their details stolen and the data comprised included the passengers' names, travel plans, billing address, email address and payment card details and most critically the three-digit security code, the CVV or card verification value, from the back of customers' cards. At the time, British Airways told those whose data was at risk, we are very sorry that this criminal activity has occurred. We'll reimburse our customers who have suffered financial losses as a direct result of the theft of the payment card details. Now, originally, British Airways were probably a bit crafty and tried to get away with only allowing quite a limited 17-week window for customers to submit a claim. That was challenged in the High Court in October last year and the court agreed that more time should be given. And just to remind everyone that if you are a BA customer who could have been affected by this, then you now have one year from now to actually submit your claim. So the final date for submitting a claim has now been set as the 17th of January 2021. But consumers affected are advised to act as soon as they can to claim the compensation they could be owed. As of October last year, it was understood that only around 7,500 potential victims had contacted BA or Lawyers for Compensation Claims. It's believed the total number of potential claimants could be as high as half a million. And with average compensation payments for distress suffered so far, averaging out around £6,000 a person, then the airline could be facing a possible three billion pounds total payout for this data breach that they suffered last year. So that's one side of the story. That that's for consumers and customers of British Airways who might have had their data affected. But what about the penalty of the hundred eighty-three million pounds which the ICO threatened to impose? Well, the ICO and British Airways have been in discussion ever since that date and as of the present moment the ICO have given British Airways up to the 31st of March 2020 to conclude their negotiations with the ICO over how much of the how much this fine should finally end up being. When we approach the ICO for a comment as to why this date has been extended to the 31st of March 2020, they would not give us a, a statement as they said the regulatory process is ongoing and therefore would not be appropriate for them to comment at the present time. It is thought that the ICO and British Airways are engaged in a negotiating strategy so it looks like probably that British Airways will come out of it paying somewhat less than £183 million and indeed a similar conversation we understand is going on between the ICO and Marriott Hotels. You may remember Marriott Hotels we mentioned a couple of times last year that they've been fined 90 or intended to be fined £99 million by the ICO and again they're currently in negotiation. One of the reasons for the negotiation is that the ICO probably is keen that these cases with British Airways and Marriott Hotels don't end up going to court because while 
in principle, you'd say, well, the ICO's worked out the penalty under GDPR. That, if that's the penalty, that's what British Airways and, and Marriott should be paying. But of course, if it goes to court, it could be a long and lengthy legal challenge. And the ICO only has a legal budget, it's understood, only has a legal budget of £10 million to spend on legal advice for all the cases that it has to bring in the current financial year. And clearly, that should all get swallowed up in this one case with British Airways. So it probably makes sense that the two sides sit down around the table as they are doing and try to come to an amicable agreement on what the penalty that British Airways pay should actually be. We're not expecting an announcement from the ICO or British Airways this side of the 31st of March deadline, but once we do hear any news from either side, then we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A data breach at a Herefordshire secondary school is being investigated by West Mercia Police. West Mercia Police in a statement said they are taking the cyber attack extremely seriously after personal documents are believed to have been wiped from computer systems at John Curl High School and Sixth Form Centre in Ross-on-Wye in Herefordshire. In a letter sent home to parents and carers last week, head teacher of John Curl High School Nigel Griffiths said it's believed that data had been deleted rather than stolen or shared. We were unable to access servers within the school which are used to store lots of different types of personal data about staff and pupils, he said. In relation to students, this is wide-ranging and could include pupil records, examination data, special educational needs and safeguarding data. The security issue which has arisen further to initial investigations is the system has been accessed without authorization. Encryption has been applied, which is currently preventing us from being able to access the server. Now, it's important to stress, of course, and not a lot of people maybe quite realize this, that data doesn't actually have to be stolen for you to have a data breach. If you can't access data that you know you have for whatever reason, then that in itself is a data breach, and that's what's happened in this case. The school said that not being able to access the computer systems had caused them considerable disruption, the school itself has more than 800 pupils and has been rated good in its last Ofsted inspection. Mr Griffiths added, There is currently, however, no evidence to suggest that any of the data stored on the server has been used, stolen or shared. It is clear that this security incident is criminal in nature and investigations are already underway to identify the perpetrator and minimise any ongoing risk. The school is said to be supporting the police investigation fully and the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, has confirmed that it has been informed. The school has also been in contact with Ofsted, Herefordshire Council, and relevant school examination boards about the data breach. If we receive any update on this data breach, either from the school or from West Mercia Police, we will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. The ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office here in the UK, has itself come in for some criticism this week. It's been criticised for failing to punish companies involved in what has been described as the UK's largest recorded data breach. The breach itself is industrial in scale and conducted through an online advertising process designed by Google and the Interactive Bureau of Advertising, the IAB, known as Real-Time Bidding. After launching its investigation last year, 
the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, has now said it would only be seeking real improvements from the pair rather than bringing any enforcement action, even though the enforcement action could have been considerable, when you bear in mind that under GDPR, of course, enforcement action can stretch to a penalty of up to 4% of global turnover. Real-time bidding is the market which underpins online advertising in the UK, and critics of the scheme have described it as the largest data breach ever recorded in the UK. Real-time bidding effectively sells impressions, how the industry refers to the number of times an advert is loaded into a web browser, through a practically instantaneous auction which automatically takes place when a browser begins to load up a web page. When the loading of the web page happens, behind the scenes, tracking cookies and other forms of data which browsers drag around the web with us allows companies to bid to be able to show us adverts based on the enormous and detailed profiles which publishers build up on our lives, so-called programmatic advertising. Real-time bidding is an industry which monetizes the digital surveillance system, programmatic advertising, that records what every person on the web watches, reads and listens to. The system builds a profile on every individual and the details of the system collect include the user's age, gender, location and even a historic record of what web pages you've looked at. This record is crucial because it allows one of the most significant forms of tracking when publishers connect with you using what they call content, content taxonomies. These are lists of categories which are used to classify online content. They range from general, sport, movies, jazz, to the creepily specific. Google's list, for instance, includes categories such as reproductive health, substance abuse, health conditions, politics, ethnic and identity groups. Both Google and the IAB insist their categories are only ever applied broadly to anonymised content. But critics say there's substantial evidence to suggest that they do get data which can be referred back to individual people. The ICO, for its part, has said that Google will now remove content categories and improve its process for auditing, and said it was encouraged by the company's plans to phase out support for third-party cookies in the Google Chrome browser. It went on to say that the IAB has agreed a range of principles that align with the ICO's concerns and is developing its own guidance for organisations on security, data minimisation and data retention, as well as UK-focused guidance on the content taxonomy. I have to say, from a personal viewpoint, I find this extremely disappointing, uh, because I can remember going to meetings with the IAB and Google way back in late 2017, early 2018, when... GDPR was first being really talked about in any detail. And back then it was recognised that this would be a problem. So that the ICO is definitely, I think, dragging its feet on this and could have done more to act quickly to actually get Google and the IAB to, frankly, get their act together. Jim Killock, the Executive Director of Digital Rights Advocates, the Open Rights Group said the ICO is a regulator so needs to enforce the law. It appears to be accepting that unlawful and dangerous sharing of personal data can continue so long as improvements are dreadfully made, with no actual date for compliance. Last year, the ICO gave a deadline for an industry response to complaints raised by the Open Rights Group. Now the ICO has fallen into a trap set by industry of accepting incremental but minimal changes that fail to deliver individuals the control of their personal data that they are legally entitled to. Mr Tillett went on to say the ICO must take enforcement action against IAB members. He said 
that the Open Rights Group were considering their position, including whether to take legal action against the ICO for failing to act, or against the individual companies for their breach of data protection law. Dr Johnny Ryan, Chief Policy Officer at BRAVE, criticised the ICO for taking no substantive action, and said that Judah and the IAB have taken no steps to stop the vast systematic data breach that broadcasts what billions of people read, watch and listen to online every single day. He said that BRAVE was itself now considering all options, including a judicial challenge of the ICO's decision. It should be said that we contacted Doodle and the IAB for comment, but neither were prepared to make a comment at this time. We expect this story to rumble on through 2020, so whenever we get an update to it, we will of course bring it to you in the relevant next episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Peekaboo Moments, a mobile app developed by BitHouse Inc., which allows proud parents to record short videos of their babies and young children, suffered a data breach this week. It's believed that thousands of baby videos and images were left unsecured and exposed to the internet by Peekaboo Moments on an Elasticsearch database open on the internet. A security expert said that everything about the server, the company's website and their iOS and Android apps was both bizarrely done and grossly insecure. For their part, it has to be said that as soon as they were made aware of the data breach, Peekaboo Moments acted very quickly and within seven hours of the breach being reported to them, they had solved the issue and the breach had been closed. However, of course, it's not known how many people might have had access to the data in the time that it was available through the data breach. For a bit of context, Peekaboo Moments database contains more than 70 million files comprising more than 100 gigabytes of data with information coming from March 2019 onwards. Exposed data in the data breach was understood to include email addresses, detailed device data and links to photos and videos all of which were stored on servers hosted by Alibaba Cloud in Singapore. It's estimated that at least 800,000 email addresses are in the exposed data. What's probably more concerning and why this involves sensitive data is that the app also transmits data about the babies. It has a growth tracker that allows people to record their baby's length and weight. It also has a field for a baby's birth date and also gives the latitude and longitude to four decimal points, which is accurate to within about 30 feet, of where the baby was located when the data or the image was recorded. The company said in a statement that they were completely understanding of how the moments are important to the parents of the children. Data privacy and security come as our priority, they said. Every baby's photos, audios and videos or diaries should be stored in a secure space. Only families and friends can have access to a baby's moment. Despite our best endeavours, it's not proved possible for us to directly contact anyone from Peekaboo Moments, including their CEO, Jason Liu, who's based in San Francisco. The company itself appears to be based in China and has not responded to any of our efforts to reach them. A UK user of Peekaboo who didn't wish to be named 
said she was completely unaware of the data exposure as she'd been using the app for seven years for three of her children. She said, this is very concerning as I believed it to be a secure app and I don't feel comfortable at the thought of strangers being able to access the personal pictures of my babies. Troy Hunt, a data breach expert who founded the Have I Been Porn data breach web notification service, said that for the most part, PWB's exposure was a garden variety one of the lights that are seen every day, but the exposure of data on children sets it apart, as well as being unresponsive to any attempt to reach out to them. PWB Moments also allows people to take the content they've uploaded to Facebook and post it within PGB Moments. It's understood that the PGB Moments API keys for Facebook were also exposed during the data breach. Those keys could allow an attacker to get access to content on the PGB Moment user's Facebook page. It's understood that the breach was reported to Facebook on Wednesday this week. Facebook would not respond to a query as to whether they have revoked PGB Moments API keys for use with Facebook. The PGB Moments app is free. The company makes money by offering subscriptions for additional storage with plans starting at $8.99 per quarter. According to Google Play, the app has been downloaded 1 million times since it launched in 2012. Most recent reviews of the app rated positively, but of course that would have come before this data breach was notified. From our point of view, we understand that the breach has now been fixed, but Given the lack of communication from the company, I think it's fair to say that we would say continue to use Peekaboo Moments with extreme caution until we receive more positive news from the company. And as soon as we do, we will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Unilever, the manufacturer of Dove deodorant, found itself in its own sticky patch this week when a data breach occurred at UK-based Fresh Film Productions, which makes adverts for the company. It's because the data breach exposed sensitive personal data of participants in the antiperspirant brand Dove's Real People campaign. The breach inadvertently exposed the data, which included bank details and passport scans, by leaving a company server hosted online on an unsecured Amazon Web Services S3 bucket. And regular listeners to GDPR Weekly Show will know that this is not the first time this has happened with Amazon Web Services S3 buckets. It is really important if you make use of Amazon Web Services, and lots of companies do, but please do make sure that any buckets of data that you have with them are fully secured. In this case, because the data was unsecured, it meant it could be freely accessed by anyone with an internet connection. The server, discovered during a third-party investigation, was immediately secured by Fresh Film Productions when they were notified of the breach. They said that the server hosted a vast array of production files, including over 1,500 files containing sensitive data. It is not clear if the server, which appears to have been freely accessible online since at least 2018, was accessed by cyber criminals but obviously the length of time involved here would increase the likelihood that that has been the case. The most significant exposure related to a 2017 advert for Unilever owned Dove antiperspirant known internally as the Dove Men Plato campaign. This involved 40 men mainly residing in the UK but also from Australia, Germany, Italy and the Netherlands 
in order to produce variants of the advert for different markets. It is one of numerous adverts run by Dove featuring non-professionals as part of a wider campaign known as Real Beauty for the Women's Market and Real Strength for the Men's Market. Richard Tarter Hounslow, producer at First Film, said, We take things like data protection very seriously and we'll be looking into this matter with urgency. We have also approached Unilever for comment, but we've yet to receive a statement from them. It is understood that the personal data exposed by the Dove campaign included names, addresses, email addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth and bank details. Also included for around half of the people were passport scans and details of flight bookings and national insurance numbers for the majority of the other half. It is important to stress that the men in question are not professional actors or models and had to sign a contract affirming that they did not plan to become a professional actor or model or behave in a manner that could damage the reputation of Fresh Film or Unilever. Therefore, the data breach is especially embarrassing to Fresh Film and Unilever because, ironically, of course, it's turned it round the other way, where it could be the people who are embarrassed rather than the companies. Other casting documents, including transcripts of auditions, contain photographs and details about the interests of each man, which could be used by criminals along with personal data to commit identity theft or fraud. It's worth saying that the implications of such exposed data could be catastrophic to the people involved. It's understood that the data also contained details and personal data of other individuals that had auditioned for the campaign but did not get selected, including their names, addresses, emails and telephone numbers. In addition to exposing the personal details of the participants in the Dove campaign, the data breach also included a large amount of sensitive files relating to crew, professional cast members and companies that Fresh Film works with. This largely took the form of invoices, with those from businesses including company names, addresses and bank details, while invoices from individual cast and crew members typically included names, addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth and national insurance numbers. It is understood that over 700 invoices from companies and almost 400 invoices from individual crew members were involved. However, it is hard to establish the number of individuals and companies as clearly individuals and companies may have raised many invoices within the time period. It is understood that Fresh Film did notify the Information Commission's Office, the ICO, within 72 hours of becoming aware of the breach. If we receive any updates on this from either Unilever, Fresh Film or from the ICO, we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Greece's four systemic banks have cancelled or are planning to cancel and replace up to 15,000 credit and debit cards after the payment card data was used by some of their customers on a Greek online tourist services website which has been hacked. Alpha Bank, Piraeus Bank, Eurobank and the National Bank of Greece said that although the number of customers charged with transactions they never made totals only a few dozen cases, they had decided to act proactively and replace all the cards. The ongoing inquiry into the data breach, which is expected to be completed at the end of March, is focusing on whether the website, which books airline and ferry tickets, hotels, cars and travel insurance, had adhered to the Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards, PCI DSS. If it fully complies to the standards, then the investigation will seek to clarify how the leak could have occurred. The banks have also said that they have already informed the Bank of Greece, as well as Visa and MasterCard, who have begun investigating the breach themselves. 
Banking executives said that the immediate activation of security methods would keep whatever costs they incur to be manageable, and it is understood that the data breach has been reported to the Greek Information Commissioner's Office. It's very early in the investigation of this case, so as soon as we do receive any updates from either of the four banks or from the Greek ICO, we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.